This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, good morning. It's 7.06 a.m. on Monday, the 29th of January, 2024. You're listening to The Morning Run with Shazana Mokhtar and Keith Kam. Now, in half an hour, we're going to discuss the political and economic outlook for Japan over the, over the year. But uh, let's... Kick off the morning with a look at how global markets closed on Friday. On Wall Street, the Dow Jones closed up 0.2%. The S&P 500 was down 0.1%. The Nasdaq was down 0.4%. Both the S&P and Nasdaq ended a six-day winning streak, but they still closed with uh, weekly gains. Earlier in the day in Asia, uh, the Nikkei closed 1.3% lower. The Hang Seng was down 1.6%. Shanghai's composite was up 0.1%. Singapore's STI closed 0.4% higher. And the FBM KLCI was up 0.1% at 1,506 points. And a bit of trivia, this is the third time this year that it's closed above 1,500 points. Hooray! (laughs) Something to celebrate, I guess. Let's hope this continues uh, for the rest of the year. But for some thoughts on where markets are heading this week... We speak to Kingsley Jones, Chief Investment Officer at Jevons Global. Kingsley, good morning. Thanks very much for joining us. So U.S. equities closed moderately lower on Friday, although they were still up for the week. Was this due to investors taking profit after an exuberant month for stocks? Yeah, I think there is a little bit of profit taking. Uh, The other factor, I think, is that those early uh, financial results from J.P. Morgan Bank of America and Citigroup were a bit sobering. Uh, you know, they have some issues there with cost control, the so-called jaws between revenue and costs widening uh, in the wrong way. So um, uh, that now, I think, is going to be the larger issue. Uh, there has been some talk about, uh, you know, uh, auto loans being under pressure with a uh, high record 90-day past due on loans uh, and, and some... Uh, Real issues in the auto market in the United States with uh, a slowdown in consumer interest in autos just because they can't afford the financing. So I think the big thing now is uh, once the Magnificent Seven warm up this week's report, uh, just to avoid disappointment there. Uh, in the beginning, it was a, a poor result for Intel, I think. Uh, they did beat on revenue and earnings but were punished on Friday uh, because of a negative outlook. Kingsley, uh, speaking about the Magnificent Seven, uh, this week also sees the earnings release of US heavyweights from tech titans like Microsoft and Amazon to energy stalwarts like ExxonMobil. What companies are you keeping your eye on as a gauge um, as to which sectors to invest in? I think certainly you mentioned ExxonMobil. Um, you know, there is interest in the energy sector with uh, oil holding above $75 for West Texas oil in the United States um, and also the disruptions in the Red Sea. But I think all eyes this week will be on the Magnificent Seven for obvious reasons. Uh, personally, I'm keen to see the Amazon result. Uh, we think there's some value there. They've had a successive uh, series of earnings beats through last year uh, that were both quite wide um, above consensus. Uh, And the thing to note is that players like Amazon actually have some pretty good uh, internal chip development capacity at a time when, you know, there's real competitive pressure uh, to try to come up with solutions to not pay it all away to NVIDIA. So we think that uh, Amazon will be interesting and we're certainly looking out for that. We like the idea of the motivated chasers, as we call them, the the companies that uh, are carving out a presence in AI or have the background uh, and are really trying to catch up to the leader's Kingsley, another thing that we're going to be watching this week is what happens uh, at the FOMC meeting, the first one for the year. What are you going to be looking out for in terms of what the Fed chairman says or what the signals that the Fed will be giving in terms of its uh, rate hikes moving forward? 
I think the key one is how they handle, um, you know, this looming issue with um, consumer loans and auto loans, given what was coming out with credit cards uh, in the early banking reports uh, that we saw to kick off the season. So we'll be uh, looking closely at what they say there. Uh, I think the main uh, reaction that's possible is that if the Fed were to start getting worried about maybe a pickup in uh, unemployment because Let's be clear, there may be some slowdowns on auto production or indeed some stops uh, for the majors in the United States, and that would lead to layoffs. Um, if, if that sort of thing happens, then their talk may move to quicker mm. uh, interest rate cuts, uh, and I don't think the market's really prepared for that. So we'll watch that closely. I think that's an outside chance, but it's certainly a reason to watch this one fairly closely. And um, following up on that, Kingsley, there are views that I've been reading just before coming on air today that emerging markets may benefit with investors betting on the Federal Reserve possibly cutting rates. And if this does happen, what emerging markets do you see benefiting? Yeah, look, that's a great one. Normally, that would be what would happen. You know, the the the, the thing is that um, you know, obviously, when you have high U.S. interest rates, uh, that attracts capital to the U.S. dollar investments. Uh, you know, a lot of emerging markets, not all of them, but a lot of them uh, are borrowing in, in US dollars or have been. And that leads to tightness, as we saw with the recessions in Brazil and elsewhere. That is fading now. So as long as the particular emerging market country uh, doesn't have or doesn't face a US dollar shortage, um, then then they're in good shape. Now, the easiest way to tell that is to look at how their currency is traveling versus the US dollar. Uh, the ones that are in dollar shortage are mainly in Africa and you know places like Egypt and so on, and their currencies have really collapsed last year. Uh, whereas countries like, uh, for example, Mexico with the peso, or Brazil with the real, or indeed South Africa with the rand, uh, have actually started to see the currencies firm a little bit. So that's where our preference lies. In particular, we like Brazil and Mexico. You can buy via an ETF. Uh, we also like uh, Sweden because uh, industrials tend to do well coming out of a, a slowdown and that countries rich in industrials. And we also like, obviously, Japan. We've been long Japan for a while, still like that. And um, we like countries like Switzerland, uh, just because it has a, a big exposure to pharmaceuticals, uh, luxury stocks, and also the stalwart um, Nestle in food. So we, I think they're pretty good bets, all of those. Let's turn our attention to commodities. We have seen commodity prices take a beating. So far this year, coal prices have shed 11% and iron ore is down more than 7%. Should investors give metal commodities a wide berth this year or is a price recovery in the offing? Yeah, so we probably need to stand back a little bit from some of those industrial metals that you mentioned, you know, iron ore um, uh, and, and also uh, coal, both thermal coal and coking coal, because uh, steel demand is, is probably going to stay weak. I mean, you know, China's kind of ex-growth in steel. Um, and then, of course, you've seen in the battery minerals complex, you know, nickel and cobalt uh, have really had a terrible uh, period uh, with excess supply coming out of Indonesia in particular. Uh, and lithium has recently, you know, taken it on the chin in terms of uh, a big slump up to 90% in prices. Long term, we think lithium is probably in good shape. I think the problem with nickel and cobalt is that um, at the margin, what's happening is Chinese EV makers have really perfected uh, a battery technology called lithium ion phosphate that doesn't need nickel and cobalt. So that's a big swing factor in the market. So we're a bit, bit cautious on an immediate recovery in nickel cobalt. Uh, but look, I think the place you want to put new money here is uh, either gold, copper, gold, because we think that's uh, reasonably defensive and copper's in 
short long-term supply. Uh, and the other one that's really come out of nowhere is uranium. Uh, people anticipated a, a firming uranium market on reactor restocks and, and, and new builds, but it's really heated up of late, so we like uranium. And Kingsley, picking up what you said about gold, uh, it's something that I've been following as well. It hit twenty one hundred dollars last at the end of last year, and it's been sort of uh, being supported at the two thousand dollar level. Do you see that breaking below, and would that be a good chance to buy then? Yeah, I think we could see a break below two thousand as it tests it once more. I think the big risk factor would be a break below nineteen hundred. So you don't want to see that gold price break the two thousand mark by by you know much more than a couple of percent. Um, but looking forward, I think we are do have good conditions for gold. Uh, this ought to be a weaker dollar market, uh, you know, as you see interest rates moderate, um, and that generally is good for gold. But the other factor that I think is supporting gold is that um, you know you ever since two thousand and eight, um, if you look at the World Gold Council website where they report the central bank purchases. We have had net purchasing behaviour by central banks uh, globally since 2008, which reversed the previous trend to net selling, and that's just continued. So um, a big factor there is the fact that both Russia and China have been building their gold reserves, and you know we see that as part of their, uh, should we say, diversification away from holding US treasuries. Um, that's a sort of ongoing thing for China, um, but it's an acute issue for Russia because, of course, they had their... Uh, reserves confiscated uh, as a result of the um, the uh, their invasion of Ukraine. Um, so I think they're all supportive of gold. Our big interest, though, is in in the stocks. Uh, we we think that gold may not really you know go off on a tear, but we think it's supported here well at around two thousand. So have a look at gold stocks, particularly those that have um, uh, contained cost pressures in places like Australia and some emerging markets. Kingsley, thanks as always for the chat. That was Kingsley Jones, Chief Investment Officer at Jevons Global, giving us his take on some of the trends that he sees moving markets in the days and weeks ahead. It's a pretty big week uh, for equities, uh, given that we expect the Fed to come up with a decision on its monetary policy and also the many big names that we're expected to see earnings reports from in the coming days. I'm I'm very intrigued by what he was saying about gold because uh, I mean, I've been watching it for, for a little while now. Now, it hit a record high of about $2,100 at the end of last year. And it's been trying to test that uh, $2,000 support level for so well, since then, actually. Today, this morning, right now, it's at uh, it's trading at $2,024, up 0.3% from, from Friday's close. So still hovering around there. And I haven't seen it uh, fall below $2,000. But like, uh, like, like Kingsley was saying, if it does fall below $2,000, it could be an opportunity to uh, reconsider it. So Kingsley was talking about uh, some of the credit outlook in terms of the earnings coming in. We do have news about American Express and their earnings report. Uh, They issued a 2024 earnings forecast that exceeded analyst expectations, even though fourth quarter results actually disappointed. Uh, This was the reason why Amex shares surged the most in a year uh, last week. Yeah, but uh, they did also say that Argentina's currency devaluation had cost the company about $100 million without which it would have topped uh, topped estimates. So it's still going to stick to its long-term profit and annual revenue growth target of more than 
And while we uh, are talking about uh, credit cards, maybe we can take a look at LVMH, which also reported uh, earnings last Friday. Uh, They posted higher than expected sales for 2023 and raised their annual dividend. Uh, In the fourth quarter last year, revenue grew by 10% on an organic basis to close uh, at 24 billion euros, surpassing estimates and reassuring investors of its resilience. Luxury shopping uh, still very much in vogue. Yeah, it's got labels like uh, Louis Vuitton and and Dior. Sales at its key fashion leather goods units surged by 9%. Its wines and spirits units also unexpectedly grew following two straight quarters of declining sales. Uh, Business at Louis Vuitton from high-end Chinese spenders in Europe reached 70% of the level generated in 2019. So it... I guess it kind of looks like uh, you know uh, Chinese Chinese buyers are are, are, are returning. Are returning. I, I do remember the queues at at the uh, uh, Louis Vuitton store in, uh, in in Paris at one time when I just walked past and all you see was these Chinese tourists queuing outside just to go inside to buy a few bags. <laughs> well, there you go. It's seven nineteen in the morning. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll come back to look at more of the top stories in the newspapers and portals. Stay tuned. BFM eighty nine point nine. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.